This is Generations. My name is Kevin Swanson, Steve Vaughn, also with me on this edition. Steve, you and I have had programs dealing with this cultural phenomenon called Disney for at least, I'm going to say, what, 12, 14 years? Probably. And you can remember when I went after Frozen and Beauty and the Beast, 2017, and on and on. And, you know, there's one pastor in America that got a lot of press about, you know, going after the wokiness and the pro-homosexual indoctrination that was shoved down the throats of so many kids across America over the last uh, 15 years. And now, thankfully, the governor of Florida jumped on board with me, and that, I think, has helped my cause somewhat. (laughs) Uh, and yeah. I'm not aware of very many other Christian pastors who have taken a position against Disney, but I, it would be nice if, you know, 10 or 15 would stand up next to myself and the governor of Florida on one of these deals. But Disney is now turning 100 this month, 100 year century this month. So uh, wow. incredible. Uh, here's a Washington Times article to help celebrate Woke Disney, Broke Disney is what it's called. Been a number of articles about how badly Disney is performing the box office such so far they've lost I think close to 1.5 billion dollars on the feminist version of Marvel's uh, the new wish uh whatever it is it's about somebody who a, a father figure who didn't give their daughter everything they wanted I think something like that yeah, so they're trying like to that, show yeah. god is horrible yeah <laughs> yeah and uh, it's a girl of color fleeing from some evil white man yeah Uh, So that theme apparently didn't fly very well in the box office, only gaining $47 million in the opening weekend, given that they spent $270 million. Again, uh, very bad, very bad in terms of uh, what they're accomplishing. Well, they're also working on another version of Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. I guess this is part of their 100th (laughs) year anniversary. And the reality, according to the star of this remake, Rachel Ziegler, she says the reality is that the cartoon was made 85 years ago and therefore is extremely dated when it comes to the ideas of women being in roles of power and what a woman is fit for in the world. And so the new retelling of the Snow White live action version coming out in 2025, Prince Charming does not show up. He doesn't rescue Snow White. So that doesn't happen. Apparently, according to Ms. Ziegler, a modern woman can't be saved by a guy who literally stalks her. <laughs> Whatever that means. Yeah. Is, I guess that's what, you know, every pursuance of a young woman has been reduced yeah. to at this point. <laughs> a, a stalking of, of the woman. So uh, what remains is a sort of dystopian feminist narrative that has become box office poison. I guess nobody wants to watch this thing coming out in 2025. Yeah. And, and the, uh, I mean... You and I have probably seen the pictures of the, you know, quote unquote, and I'm air quoting dwarves. Um, they are seven diverse creatures. I think there's one that is actually a, a true dwarf, but some of them are quite tall. And then that that got a lot of press, a lot of negative press. And the last I saw that, you know, and I don't know if this is true or not, but they were going to CGI in actual dwarves this time and you know i don't know if they just canned all of the actors that were too tall and are going to put in the the actual dwarves but cgi versions of them i don't know it's just 
they're just going so far downhill, especially all their live action ones. None of those are doing that great and because they're they're changing everything. What is this, the 20th flop for Disney movies over the last couple of years? It's, it's been a disaster for Disney. Uh, no yeah. question about that. Uh, now, Disney's stock is the lowest it's been since 2014. Before Beauty and the Beast, uh, Lightyear, The Little Mermaid, Elemental, and Strange World. Uh, so they've lost about a $1.5 billion on their evangelism campaign. And I think that's exactly what you need to call it, is an evangelism campaign for this wokish worldview that they're trying to incorporate into the younger generation. If you're looking at Disney's charts, you find that they're in the black. Two to four billion dollars in profit for the last two years, but that's down from five to twelve billion dollars per year between 2011 and 2019. So now you got to understand, my friends, they have invested heavily in the gospel of woke, the gospel of frozen, the gospel of feminism, the gospel of beauty and the beast. And I guess I want to touch on this worldview, these gospels. The Gospel of Disney, next on Generation. Stay with me. Hello, my friends. For the last 15 years, the Generations team has produced a Christian curriculum, specifically for families who want to give their children a God-centered, Bible-saturated, biblical worldview-based education. Our commitment is to restore the Christian faith, generational faith in an age where we are losing faith in this country and almost anywhere around the world where Christian children attend secular schools or use secular curriculum and imbibe secular culture. Now, we're not relying on the pre-Christian Greeks for an educational model here. We're not relying on the post-Christian secularists for the education model either. Our curriculum is based in a biblical worldview. We put hundreds of Bible verses in the history books and integrate the truths into the subjects. We want to glorify God on every page of the science books. We immediately integrate knowledge into life application and natural revelation with special revelation. We keep Christ at the very center of the history books with preparing the world for Jesus and taking the world for Jesus. I believe God is calling this generation in this highly secularized age to a radical change in how they disciple their children. Please check out our program for education of your children and grandchildren at www.generations.org. And we are back. This is Kevin Swanson and Steve with me on this edition as, as we review the Disney agenda, the Disney woke gospel that has been propagated for a very long time. And I don't think we were thinking about this in the 1990s, Steve, when we were raising our children. I mean, I still have some Disney stuff in our VHS library. <laughs> I don't even think we have a VHS recorder anymore, but we have all these VHS tapes from the 1990s. And I was you know, smelling something of a rat by the mid-2000s, less and less enamored with the stuff coming out of Hollywood and Disney. But wow. I think it took me some time. I had to write the book, The Tattoo Jesus, to better understand. You know, I I didn't have anything that, that could evaluate these movies from a distinctively biblical perspective. And I thought, well, let's just start thinking this way. And um, thankfully, you know, I think there's been a process of repentance going on in my own life as I consider these ideas 
that have been so damaging to our entire civilization, especially to each successive generation. Well, the first thing is, uh, first part of the woke gospel that is propagated by Disney is uh, feminism and to some degree transgenderism. It's the gospel of gender role confusion and gender confusion. It starts with Mulan in the 1990s, of course. She's somewhat of a transgenderist. She's not happy with her gender. And it's obvious that she is doing everything she possibly can to rearrange her gender roles. But then it's not just gender roles. It's also gender. She's not happy with her gender, what she sees in the mirror or in in the water as she sings her little ballad about wanting to change her gender. So Mulan is, of course, one of the very first in in this effort to, uh, to bring about gender role confusion and gender confusion. Uh, also, I think what you find increasingly in Disney flicks and all pretty much all of Hollywood today, Steve, is what I call equal opportunity violence for women. In other words, you, you have women going up against women, and then you also have women going up against men in action films. And there is no need, of course, for men to rescue women anymore, as was testified by this actress in the Seven Dwarfs movie. Uh, so, so. You know, these women are out there to pound the living daylights out of the bad guys. And of course, the idea of a hundred pound woman pounding the living daylights out of a 220 pound man is patently ridiculous. But I mean, hey, it's Hollywood. (laughs) They can do whatever they want to do on the screen. Right. So now, of course, if, if you're to see any of this, you know, where you have a 220 pound man pounding on a woman. And then she's pounding back on her. The whole thing's very offensive to me. I, I don't know if anybody else is offended to see anything as wicked as a man pounding on a woman and then a woman pounding back on a man. This appears to me to be a massive gender role confusion to bring about a violent society where no doubt men and women will engage in much violence within marriage. I mean, I, can't you see that being the very next logical conclusion? To all of this violence between men and women on the silver screen? Well, people like to act things out that they see on the silver screen. You, yeah. you see the, you know, after Rocky, you know, the, the kids walk, walk out and they're wanting to punch and they're wanting to do things like that. So anything that looks cool on the screen is something that kids are going to want to do in real life or at least mimic or play around with it. And we, we do see lots of increased violence today. There's lots of violence in the movies and massively increased violence going on today. A, just a a flaunting of lawlessness and sin. It's just, it's crazy. And and on the silver screen, of course, all of this begins way back in 1997 with GI Jane and then the Tomb Raider movies, and then Angela Jolie in Assault in 2010, then The Hunger Games comes out in 2012. Mad Max Fury Road features uh, Woman Warrior of 2015. Rogue One Star Wars, Star Wars uh, actress, uh, crosses over to become the, 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 the main combatant in 2016. Wonder Woman shows up in 2017. Then you've got uh, at least 20 female-led action movies between 2010 and 2023. No longer Schwarzenegger, Stallone, and Mel Gibson, but uh, but women, 100-pound women out there to pound the living daylights out of 240-pound men. 
uh, all of course very pretending and uh, and of course there's a number of problems with all of this god does not call women normatively into combat uh, in fact it's called an abomination in the old testament and uh, women are not to play a part in in combat and that's never been the way it was in christian society until the humanists took over in the last 12 to 15 years of course pagan society would throw their women out onto the battlefield uh, that was somewhat common at least in the english isles and yet over a thousand years plus uh, that was uh, that was completely done away with and there was something of uh, a, a christian restraint to warfare uh, in the Western world over a period of 1200 years until the chaos of humanism takes over in the 20th century. Now, uh, all bets are off for the future of life on human on planet Earth. Uh, women have become killers and they are glorified for it. Women used to be life givers, nurturers of life through the womb as as men would defend the, the household, as men would go to battle uh, to kill and to defend their hearth and home. Uh, women would stay at home and nurture life as uh, women, as mothers, but now they're invited into full-fledged warfare. And so that's the shift that's occurred in just the last 10 to 15 years. And of course, Hollywood has led the uh, charge on this since 1997 uh, with the production of G.I. Jane. Okay, so that's the history of feminism in the movies, at least one aspect of it. Uh, and that's very, very important to Disney. Uh, also, there's a hypersensitivity to color, skin color. So the movies, you know, if you take a look at the seven dwarves, I, I don't know if the movie's going to end up with these seven characters, but <laughs> they're supposed to be, you know, different genders, different ethnic backgrounds, different heights, you know, because you don't want to make, you don't want, <laughs> want all of them to be dwarves. Yeah. You want really tall dwarves, I guess, and really short dwarves and, Turns out it's just sort of a mess, and the original story has pretty much been completely botched up. Okay, so this hypersensitivity to color by, you know, casting one Asian, one Hispanic, one black, and one white, the problem comes in when it's obvious that the storyline is subservient to the casting and the personalities or the cultural personalities of those casted that is when 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 you, it's obvious that the producer or the director is putting an african and an asian into a story about braveheart mm-hmm. i mean come on that's forced everybody that's ridiculous <laughs> this is this is scotland yeah. in 1380 okay this is the, the, they didn't have asians and africans in scotland in 1380 Okay, so what, what, what happens then is you have this forced fake movie that is now evidently subservient, uh, where this, the storyline is subservient to the casting, and it doesn't make any sense at all. Now, there's this sense also that the major sin of the nation is racism or hating other people of different skin color. And so they have to have this preachy message about how we have to provide equal opportunity casting for people of different skin colors and such. But friends, that's the wrong view of the sin of the nation. It's the wrong solution to the sin that lies in the hearts of men and women. So there's lots of problems with that gospel coming out of Disney and other parts of Hollywood. Now, fourthly, here's one more issue. There's the equating of hatred of a certain ethnic group 
with a condemning of a sinful lifestyle like homosexuality or incest or bestiality, and to equate the hatred of a certain ethnic group with the condemning of a certain sinful practice like homosexuality is, is a wrong-headed view of ethics itself. And I don't think anybody, you know, Christian versus non-Christian who wouldn't stop for a moment and say, no, wait a minute, what a person does in terms of their practice in the area of sexuality and their ethnic background or skin color are two extremely different issues and should not be lumped into the same category of thought or the same category of ethics. All right. So, so again, there's something extremely, you know, irrational about that. Now, of course we would say, and I think this is appropriate as well, that hating somebody for the color of their skin is a sin. It's an obvious sin. We're not to hate our neighbor we're to love our neighbor. Um, but at the same time, we can absolutely come to the conclusion that certain forms of sexual practice are patently against the laws of God and are sinful and should be stated to be so. And yes, we should discriminate against that kind of behavior. Yes, we should. So the discrimination against somebody, you're hating somebody for their skin color and, 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 and taking an issue and opposing some sinful lifestyle, two different things. Yeah, it ends up, I think a lot of this is in the the oppressor versus the oppressed. And that is, you know, you're, you're wanting, rather than a class warfare of rich versus poor, you're getting the oppressor versus the oppressed. The oppressed people are the people that have a different skin tone, more melanin in their skin. And therefore, we need to get rid of the people with the whiter skin. And so even in the movies. And, and so you, you have, again, back to Snow White being played by somebody who is of darker skin when snow white was called snow white because of the whiteness of her complexion. And, you know, so it just doesn't make any sense. You've got, uh, what was it? The little mermaid being played by uh, uh, a black woman and you've got, you know, Cleopatra being played by a black woman when obviously she was not in real life. And it even goes back to things like Hamilton when they were, playing, you know, Thomas Jefferson was a black man. Uh, you have um, George Washington was a black man in the, in the musical Hamilton. And so it's, there's a lot of this going on already. Uh, you know, why not be realistic, but you know, it's oppressor versus oppressed. Yeah. And when you consider things like oppressed versus oppressor and uh, how we are to treat other people, of course, we're to treat them as we would have them treat ourselves. And so, you know, the standard by which God's law lays out how we should treat our neighbor is, is, is different than that which is a part of this gospel of woke. It's extremely difficult to identify the degree to which any certain people are oppressed anyway. So the metric itself is extremely difficult to, uh, to determine, extremely impossible to determine. So again, we're in uh, extremely questionable area of ethics. Moreover, it's not sinful in and of itself for somebody to be oppressed. We're all oppressed to some extent. We live in a world in which God in his providence has brought certain degrees of difficulty our way. 
And ultimately, it's God who determines who will be rich and who will be poor. That's what the Word of God brings out to us. So to, to assign the ultimate cause of oppression or one person being oppressed over another person being oppressed is, uh, is determined first and foremost by God himself. Um, also, uh, these movie producers don't want stereotyping. So I want to stop on this issue just for a moment. What is stereotyping? Well, stereotyping is... Uh, something conforming to a fixed or general pattern, which obviously that's not a problem. If, say, a people tends to conform to a fixed language, speech, cultural habit, nothing wrong with that, okay? So if you have a certain ethnic group that, that tends to have a certain accent or, or language or speech or whatever, that's okay. It's not stereo, nothing wrong with that kind of stereotype. Now, this can be a standardized mental picture that's held in common by members of a group and represents an oversimplified opinion. So that's another definition of stereotyping. Well, the problem is that every movie is going to oversimplify things anyway. It's a part and parcel of movies. So ultimately, if we're trying to avoid somebody hating somebody else or, say, mocking somebody else, what's the problem with the human heart? There's no way that we are going to be able to get everybody to get along with each other and to never hate one another in the heart outside of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of woke that puts us all through some kind of penance is not going to solve the problem of hate in the human heart. Now, I happen to believe that there isn't as much hatred of other ethnic groups as people think there is. So, and that's another issue is that Ultimately, God's law determines what is sinful and what the major sins of a nation are. And of course, oftentimes the woke gospel is bringing sins to our attention that aren't really the fundamental sins of a nation as determined by God's law, largely because these wokists have no interest in God's law as the ethical standard. Now, as far as stereotyping is concerned, we have to be careful, yes, with certain kinds of cultural stereotypes, but some are ethically neutral. That is, you know, some, some things that people do as part of other cultures are not ethically bad, evil, good. No, not really. They're just, they just happen to prefer certain kinds of food. Okay, that's what we would call the area of Audi Offra. It's something of a neutral territory. There's some cultural stereotypes you want to be careful with, especially if you're assigning a certain negative characteristic to a particular ethnic group. Like you're saying, all of that ethnic group, they're lazy or they're dumb or something like that. Now you're assigning a negative stereotype, a negative characteristic to a particular skin color. And that's a problem. We don't want to do that. If, but if a recent Asian immigrant is casted in a movie, let's say, as a recent Asian immigrant, it's okay. That's all part of the story. They act a certain way. They eat certain food. Perhaps they even dress in a certain way. That's okay. They pronounce words a certain way. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with it. You're not stereotyping in some negative way. You're casting the Asian as a recent immigrant. Now, granted, there shouldn't be mockery of the cultural manifestation that is ethically neutral where there's no real rightness or wrongness about the cultural practice. You don't want the movie to be encouraging a mockery and a hatred of certain persons from certain ethnic backgrounds. So I, I get that. So what are we saying here? What we're saying is Hollywood and Disney have a bad gospel. They're bad preachers and bad evangelists. They have a bad worldview. They define sin wrongly and they define salvation wrongly. Period. They're evangelistic. They have invested hundreds of billions of dollars and they have lost, yes, billions of dollars 
Because typically evangelism, missionary work, costs money. And you're going to lose a lot of money in the process. And that's why Disney is doing what it's doing. Now, what I'm saying is, let's invest in our evangelism programs. <laughs> let's, let's, let's invest in our missionary work. All right. So that's it. That's the application. We have our gospel. Hey, it's a better gospel. And by the way, it brings about a real salvation. Because yes, we've sinned against God in violating God's laws. But praise be to God, Jesus has come to save us. It's not going to happen by some kind of moralistic penance program put together by wokists of the modern age. No, that's ridiculous. It's not going to happen. It's not going to save anybody. But the gospel of Jesus Christ will. And that is he has come to die on the cross for our sins in order that we have new life, in order that we be regenerated, in order that we would be redeemed and set free from the habits of hatred, anger, lust, and the sin that resides in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives. And so we have the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's share that with everybody. Jesus Christ has come, the Savior, to save the world from sin and death. No better gospel than that. Let's get it out there. This is Kevin Swanson inviting you back again next time as we continue to lay down a vision for the next generation. 